Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge engine failure, it appears, for Erica. The smoke funneling out of the back of the car. Stanfield drives by. It's our countdown to the championship preview edition as we get ready for Reading. Tony Pedragon joins the show. And it's Trip Tatum for the first time in his career. 370 flat, 330 miles an hour. Time to dish on the championship hopefuls and what others need to do to get back in the fight. It's on, baby. Bobby Bodie's 074, and he blows the body off the car, going through the finish line stripe. Bobby maintains control of the automobile. This is the NHRA Insider. Number 16 is going to take out number one. He left on a, by a day and a half. Both Manson Hines bikes are out, and it is crazy town at Pro Stock Motorcycle. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Loans, and we are here with our Countdown to the Championship Preview Edition. Tony Pedragon will be joining the show here momentarily. In a few minutes, we're going to go through our championship scenarios, kind of who we should be paying attention to, who needs more attention, and kind of who needs to step on the gas to really get the job done here in the 2023 Countdown to the Championship uh, we are looking at what is potentially a historically quick weekend in Maple Grove, Pennsylvania, or I should say in Reading, Pennsylvania, Maple Grove Raceway. The conditions right now appear to be ideal in that temperatures look like they're going to hang in the uh, mid 70s. And it does appear that, um, you know, Mother Nature is going to be very kind to us. We have an evening session on Friday. It's a four session race. So two sessions Friday, two sessions Saturday, but uh, Friday night. Friday night could be a banger. should be a banger. We have bump spots in Funny Car. We have a bump spot in Pro Stock. 22 Pro Stocks on this sheet. They're coming out of the woodwork. 17 Funny Cars. A load of independents there. 16 Top Fuel Dragsters. And I believe we're going to fill out the field in Pro Stock Motorcycle as well. So... You know, historically, Reading is always a great race, and it's one of those events that uh, really sets the tone for a countdown of the championship in 2023 that will be different, and it will feel different than countdowns to the championship that we have had previously. And if you think I'm just, you know, saying that to say it, I'm not. And here's the reason, and you can agree or disagree, but here's my take in that starting in Reading, we got no more call outs. We got no more too fast, too tasty. We boil this thing down to its bones. We take it down to qualifying and eliminations. We have eliminated all the side distractions, which I loved. And I'm not calling them in a negative way side distractions. They are great additions to our NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Series weekends. The Mission Food Too Fast, Too Tasty program was successful beyond anybody's wildest dreams this year. That was unreal. The uh, Pep Boys callouts, the callouts for Pro Stock Motorcycle and Pro Stock Car, awesome. All that's gone now. We strip this away, and we strip it down to the bear. And that is, to me, the coolest part of what this countdown will represent and why it will feel different and why it will absolutely operate in a different manner than the initial 15, 16 races of this season. Gone are the days when we have to now think about qualifying session three and four. Do I race this guy? Do I try to go out there and set low ET? What do I do? It's all a very clear focus now, and that makes people better, in my opinion, when you eliminate variables, when you eliminate variations, and you let them do the thing in a way that allows them to do it in a pure fashion. Qualifying is simply going to be qualifying. Eliminations are eliminations. There is no additional bonus points awaiting you the following week for making the semifinals. There is maybe a championship at the end. 
And that's great. It's a wrinkle that we haven't had in a long time. What has made, other than the environment, other than the intensity, other than the intangibles, what has made a playoff race, especially the first one, feel like a playoff race? And the answer is the intangibles. Well, now, tangibles. Now there are tangibles. And so I I think it's awesome. And I think it's something that we need to pay close attention to. I think it's something that um, Bears, Bears kind of looking at. And, you know, we saw the points reset. We're going to talk to Tony Pedregon, as I mentioned, about going through all the different scenarios that we have on the table um, for different championship contenders and, and who needs to who needs to kind of maintain, who needs to figure out how to get back on the horse, who can come from the middle or end of a pack. Um, all those things will be discussed uh, once we get going here in a couple of minutes. Not a huge amount of news following the U.S. Nationals. Uh, some good rumors out there. I can tell you that right now. Some very positive rumors um, regarding racers that are looking to advance themselves from, say, top alcohol dragster into the world of top fuel. Um, uh, my understanding, and again, I don't want to blow up anybody's deal, so I always try to be cautious with this stuff, but my understanding is that a prominent top alcohol dragster racer had executives, decision makers from a very large beverage company, among other things, at the racetrack and is uh, on the verge of maybe doing something very special regarding a deal. Travis Shoemake went out licensed, almost licensed in his top field dragster, made runs, but he came up short of actually gaining the license on day one. He will complete that process in the near future, I'm sure. He was planning on running it. Uh, Maple Grove, but that uh, that is not going to be in the cards for him this weekend. We'll find out exactly when that car will appear, I am sure, very shortly. There are another three or four hopefuls out there that claim that they are also chasing the money and and perhaps uh, closer to it than than they um, than they were even previously. So we'll find out. I mean, next year is going to be interesting. We know that Jasmine Salinas has talked about her her road to top fuel. We had her on the show talking about it. Um, I don't know if that's a full season. I don't know if that's every race. I don't know what they have in the works regarding sponsors they're chasing and and that type of uh, funding deal. Same goes for Travis Shoemake. I'm not sure what his ultimate – I know what his goals are. His goals are to be out there full-time. I don't know what his his situation will be in 24. Um, You have the the likes of, of these privateer racers that continue to battle and scrape and grow their programs. Supposedly, there's a big funny car team that's adding a second car next year. Um, so it's it's that time of year. Indy, you know, we talk about how Indy felt like Indy again because of the size and scope of the race. We talk about how Indy felt like Indy again because it was six days long, like, you know, 12 hours a day or whatever it was. But that extra element of Indy that felt like Indy again the most to me was that the place was gurgling, gurgling with news. And mostly rumors, um, which is what that race typically has done. Historically, right, we, we know that the release of the schedule, NHRA obviously releases a lot of news over the course of that week. Um, a lot of the teams released news. The Antron Angel news came out. All this different stuff was popping and dropping that week. And then I can tell you this from experience that, you know, and you long-term fans likely know this, but anytime we have a week where a lot of news is publicly released in drag racing, there is like 10 times more 
that is just below the surface that can't quite make it to the light of day yet. And as we all know in racing, the transition from what could be a good story to reality is the major leap. Having a deal versus signing a deal and having paper in your hand or a contract signed, those are two very different things. That is a wide gulf. The words are a lot easier to say than the actions are to complete. But if half of what we heard at the U.S. Nationals was true, and the stuff that I heard, a lot of it came out of the mouths of the people involved, so I have reason to believe that it is true, it's going to get really interesting around here next year. It means more cars. It means youth. It means expansion. It means some stuff that I really hope we have answers to before the finals, maybe at the finals. Who knows? It will add another gear to this countdown. The news cycles will add another gear to this countdown if this stuff, even half of it, comes to the type of fruition I hope that it does. want to send a congratulations to Ida Zetterstrom, who has locked up and who won the FIA Top Fuel Championship for the 2023 FIA Drag Racing season in Europe. Long time coming. Uh, Ida is a spectacular racer, uh, now a FIA champion. She's raced motorcycles and now a top fuel competitor and champ over there. So congratulations to her and her team. Uh, she is as dedicated to this sport uh, as anybody I've ever met. She's professional. She's cool. Spent a lot of time with her, uh, with some NHRA folks over the course of the U.S. Nationals. And, and it's just a, a person who, in my opinion, is going to be a breakout star not just in the FIA, but the, I, I have very strong inkling that Ida Zetterstrom's name will be known far and wide here in the world of NHRA drag racing by the time, oh, I don't know, by the time next season's done. We'll find out. So, with that said, and I'm sorry to be the teaser guy that can't give you a lot of information, but I do, um, I think when it comes to potential sponsorship deals, especially those that could be transformative for the people involved uh i i try to do my best not to not to not to spill the beans give you just enough to keep you listening right that's the goal of the show when we come back we'll have our first guest and our only guest on this show tony pedragon will join me and we're going to go class by class and break down our thoughts on the countdown our thoughts on what reading has to offer and our thoughts on who needs to swim and who might be sinking before this thing even gets off the ground don't go anywhere and we are back here in the NHRA Insider Podcast. I have Tony Pedregon on the line. Tony, what's happening, man? Good morning, Brian. Time waits for no one. Here it is. <laughs> Countdown. <laughs> you know, and it's it's true. You kind of look around, and there are times when you look at this, the calendar, you go, when's this ever going to end? And then there are other times that are like, oh, wow, it's kind of flown by. To me, month of August always seems to go by pretty quick. I think once we get into... Once we get into Brainerd, it's like everything kind of picks up the pace. But, you know, one of the things I mentioned at the top of the show, I kind of want to get your take on it before we go into the categories, is that this countdown will actually have a different feel than the regular season beyond what most of them do because of the fact that we've kind of got everything stripped away. Like, no more call-outs, no more mission races. Like, it actually is going to feel different than a regular season race. It is. I agree with you. Uh, you know, it's. I, I think that the – you know the uh the too fast too tasty i mean it really created a lot of excitement yes. and and it really created a much busier schedule i think for everyone yeah. maybe not for the racers even though you know i but i think in a way it did uh it's it was competition yeah so i think where they were seeing you know qualifying runs the level of intensity 
wasn't what it started to be on Saturday. And, you know, of course, for the production, there was, you know, there was a lot involved with calling, uh, you know, a couple of rounds of racing. So it was good. And uh, I, I think that it allows all the teams to really focus on what's at hand. You know, you just came off of yeah. U.S. Nationals, all the hype, the, you know, the just the, the size of that, the magnitude of that race. And, um, you know, I think I think you can't help but look at the forecast and say, wow, this is, actually how it's going to start in the best way possible yeah i mean it's going to be if everything holds together the way they say it is this is this is not going to be a a race to show up with your weak tune-up in any category it's going to be it's going to be fast so i want to go through and, and just go through class by class and talk about a couple of the key to me storylines coming into this countdown and in pro stock motorcycle i think the obvious one is gauge but the less obvious one to me is matt smith and was Matt Smith winning the U.S. Nationals like false hope for this guy, or was Matt Smith winning the U.S. Nationals an indication that we should just all clam up when it comes to giving anybody a championship before the whole thing starts? Well, I don't think Matt Smith is there in terms of performance. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the, the couple of races that have been won with anyone other than Gage, they've been, you know, they've they've been there, uh, you know, kind of, kind of uh, took the fumble and, and ran, ran to the end. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so, you, I mean, it's going to come down to performance. And I, I'm just surprised. I know it's a tough it's a tough racket. I know that Matt Smith, he's been testing up and down the racetrack. And, you know, I'm, I, I know you and I have had the conversation, and I'm sure, you know, anyone that follows Pro Stock Motorcycle have thought the same thing is, is it time for him to bring the Buell out? You know, yeah. look at the performance yeah. of that machine versus what he has right now. And it just seems like he could get pretty close within striking distance of Gage. And, you know, Gage makes it look so easy because there really is no competition. So he can lay up. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see it. And whether we see it this year or not is really the question. But, you know, he's he's kind of had his way with the field and he knows it and mentally – I think the only time that he's really had to push, you know, we saw him make mistakes, but I think I think it's safe to write those off as, you know, as rookie mistakes yeah. in the situation that he was in. Yeah. I, you know, I, I just, uh, I don't know that Matt Smith is going to be the Matt Smith that we expect to see every year. Yeah, and I think, in my opinion, for this not to end up, you know, with Gage, you know, because again, as much as we talk about six races being a long time, we also have to look at it on the opposite way, where six races isn't that necessarily a long time, and it would require it would require a series of cataclysmic errors by the Vance and Hines team. You know, they would have to screw this up so badly for the next six races, because as you mentioned, even when that bike is not a thousand percent perfect or a hundred percent perfect, it is still if not the class of the field, second or third best. And and he, of course, his riding has never really been the issue other than an occasional red light here or there. So I just don't see how, after looking at the first three quarters of a season, they would somehow just forget how to go drag racing for the last six races. And and maybe the more interesting battle is going to be who ends up second in the points, whether it's Arana and Smith, <laughs> which I think that is, going to be a, that is going to be a battle to the end between those two guys for the number two spot, my opinion. I don't disagree. I think that might be the excitement that we're seeing. And it, it almost seems like these conditions that we're in in store for are going to favor Gage. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I mean, I think yeah. what's going to 
be impressive to see how quick they can run. Um, <laughs> right. You know, how, I, how much can they put on the whole field from number one to two? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah. I think it'll be interesting. I think what's what's always interesting with Matt is you don't know what to expect. You never know what's around the corner. Yeah. And I wouldn't put it past him that if he got in a pinch that he would uh, that he would do that. I'm sure he's considered it. He may not, uh, you know, be telling us. Maybe it's something we can ask him. But, you know, I, I think that's the unexpected, and I think that's what we have to look forward to in that class. Listen, if the uh, we could call it the Buzuki if it shows up, and no one will know any different, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can just say he put a different pipe on it. And, uh, <laughs> right. He's not going to rev it up as much. We might buy it. Um, you know, Pro Stock Car, in terms of storylines, Pro Stock Car presents a much more compelling one than Motorcycle only because of what we've seen out of Gage. Not that it's ruined by any any stretch, but Pro Stock Car is like, you know, Matt, Matt Hartford winning the U.S. Nationals, to me, you know, really solidified the idea that he can do this. And he raced that race in a way that he didn't get in his own way. He was the number one qualifier, had low ET of the meet, had top speed of the meet, and he goes on to win. He's the only pro stock racer to actually run the table statistically at a single race this year. So my question to you on Matt Hartford is, can he continue to do this for the next six races? Like, can Hartford race the next six like the U.S. Nationals? And if he does, can anybody beat him? Well, I think Matt Hartford is in the position that any pro stock driver with a team like his want to be in. They have the momentum. They have the best car. It's no longer Dallas Glenn. No. Uh, whatever's changed. And I, I don't necessarily think that they've slowed down. I think I think Matt Hartford has gotten better. And I think, I think what he showed, not just to himself and his team, but I think he showed really anyone that has had some issues and difficulties beating Erica, you don't have to be intimidated. Yeah. If you have a good car... She can be beat. If you look at her performance, while it's still good, while she's still beating them on hole shots, she's not as good as she's been in the past. I, I can't remember when she's had, um, you know, 40 reaction times. And we're talking post-stock, a 40 reaction time yeah. is not good. I mean, you can you can equate that to something in the 80s and 90s in a top fuel car. A pro-stock machine and a pro-stock bike react quicker than a nitro car. So... You know, even 30s, when you get into the 30s in the second semifinals, let alone the final round, that's not going to win you a lot of races. So I, I think that she can be beat. I think what it did for Matt Hartford is that it it, um, it instilled some additional confidence in him because it happened at the biggest race of the year. It's yeah. not like it was, you know, it wasn't like Epping um, or it wasn't Seattle where, you know, where you beat her. You beat her on the biggest stage. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people watching and, and you pulled it off. So I think he has the machine. I think he has the mentality to do it. And, uh, I think he had a great race and I think he's in a position to, to be the favorite. You know, we, we watch Matt throughout the year and, you know, he's, he's been in three finals. He's won two of them. Um, and as far as the set two, two wide races and, you know, I think there was there was some late round losses, like some semifinal round losses there that were just, you know, you and I kind of shook our heads every once in a while because it's like, dude, this guy's got the best car on the property. What's he doing this for? And to me, like his season is almost a lesson in in how and how much you learn by going rounds on a week to week basis. Like it isn't necessarily that he's won the two races that's been the biggest deal, but I really think this guy, because of the mistakes he's been able to make in semis. 
Um, and in in later rounds of Sundays, like that's the type of stuff that has taught him some lessons that he can use in the countdown. You know, when you when you have a car that's hit and miss, meaning he can go out and win one week, but he loses in the first round the next. I don't think you learn that much, but I really think with the consistency that Hartford's had, the, the things he's done that have been self defeating. I think he's actually put those behind him, and and that to me makes him a very interesting guy to watch when we get into this uh, at Maple Grove. Hey Brian, you hit on something that a lot of people don't understand that is very important. You have to learn how to drive a good car. You have yeah. to learn how to race in a good car, and you know that's why I think what Gage Herrera has done is is even more impressive because that's the same bike that somebody else was on. It's just winning. <laughs> races and yeah there might have been one or two but there isn't there's yeah. just one talent that is making a big difference that is taking that machine and winning with it. and what happens when you have a good car is you know it has the tendency to kind of creep up in your head a little mentally and and now drivers are just they're starting to take shots at you they yeah. think well, okay this guy's got he's got a hundredth or two hundredths of a second on me now i gotta i gotta take a shot and you know it's too bad they didn't race everybody the same but you know, that's just nature will take its course. So I think that's what Matt Hartford has had to go through. And I think that some of the tactics that he was doing on the starting line, in the past, he needed to do it. Yeah. He needed some competitive edge. Now he no longer needs to do that. He's the hunted. And I think if he can if he can lay up and refrain from, you know, holding, don't hold up Aaron Stanfield. I probably <laughs> wouldn't do it Erica. There's a few drivers that I'm just not going to attempt to do it. If Listen, if, me- I, if I'm ahead of that guy in a convenience store, I'm paying my bill quick. Like that guy does not <laughs> like to be. He does not like to be delayed, and he takes it out on whoever's doing it. No, you're 100 percent right there for sure. I'm putting my head down. I'm in and out of there. <laughs> but I think I think that's, I think that's what Matt Hartford has learned over the last couple of races. It doesn't have the same effect. These drivers really, they're not. You know, it's just they're a different breed. So I, I think that he's. He's come a long way in in the course of you know the mid part of the season when his when his car really started to run good and I think now they've proven to themselves that they can go the distance so you know pretty much puts the pressure on him and you know look who's sitting in third I mean this was a car that was just lost at sea for the beginning half of the season and then slowly but surely here it comes and wins in Bristol and then wins again in Topeka obviously doesn't win at Indy. But she's she's thirty two points out of the lead. I feel like she's in a spot that she's really happy with right now too. I heard her on the show last week. We talked about a bunch of stuff, but it's like, I mean, if there's anybody out there that can take a thirty two point lead and shrink it pretty quick, it's her. And of course, I'm talking about Erica. Well, that that's. I mean, I think that was the plan. That's the goal. But you know, I I can't. If if I was in that class, if I was Matt Hartford, if I was Dallas Glenn, I would be. I'd count my lucky stars that that is not the car. They don't have the performance advantage yeah. that they've had in the past. So I don't think they should really, I don't think they should be hearing footsteps. I don't think they should concern themselves. And if they do, I think that's a mistake. I think that's something that a lot of drivers have allowed that to have an effect. And it's kind of like the John Force effect. It's like, yeah. look, that was John then. But, you know, it's like, it's like Fonzie said. He said, all you had to do was hit somebody one time. <laughs> And you carry that reputation, <laughs> right? You carry with yeah. that. And I don't, I don't think they need to be as concerned as they have in the past. I mean, she's still good. you got to deal with her, but you got to deal with a lot of them. I mean, Troy Coughlin Jr., yes. in my opinion, has just as good a car, yeah. just as good on the starting line. So, you know, I, I don't think they should um, 
I don't think they should really concern themselves and in, in, uh, to allow to the degree that it, it takes them out of their their mental their mental state of mind and mental game. Two more names to talk about before we move on to Funny Car. The first is Greg Anderson. So Greg brings out at Indy a brand new Jerry Haas car, which did get better over the course of the race, but still had him hundreds behind, um, you know, the class of the field. So in your mind, and I thought about this on the way home, is this like a team? Is this a team that knows they can't win a championship going into roster kind of testing mode for the next season? Like, is this a guy that went, okay, like I may not be in a spot to win it this year, but if I roll this car out now, when next year starts, it will be in prime shape. Like, what is your take on that? Because it seems bizarre to bring out, as beautiful it is, a brand new car at this point in the year. I, I'm sure the expectations had to be more than what they were um, in terms of performance. But, you know, and I, I've got a. You know, when you like a person and when you respect what they have done in the yeah. past, you know, you always have to kind of tread lightly. I'm going to tread lightly on this because Greg Anderson is a champion, but I, I think when you talk about his car and his performance, they've got a, he's got, he has to have a car that's, that's three hundredths quicker than yeah. everybody else to yeah. be competitive. Um, he can get it done once in a while. Let's say one or two out of four rounds, but. You know, in today's competition, in this climate, you've got to be good all the time. And I, I just, you know, the, the the record shows that he's not as quick as he used to be. And that's what it comes down to on the starting line. So, you know, I think what they're doing is they're reaching. They're looking for any performance advantage. That's what every team does that, that has the financial ability to, you know, to find any performance edge. And I... Um, you know, I, I wish him luck. I think he can win a race or two, but I, I don't, based on what we've seen, I don't know that he can go the distance like he has before. Yeah, and I think um, I think time will tell there, and, and who knows, maybe by the end of the countdown, the, or even before that, the thing's back into, you know, competitive shape in terms of being a front runner. We'll have to find that out. The last name in pro stock I want to bring up is Kyle Koretsky. We're obviously going to Maple Grove Raceway. The track his family owns. They bleed and sweat over this place to make it perfect, and Kyle comes in on a pretty hot little run he's he's on right now. The guy has been driving very well. The car has been going rounds every week. We saw one storybook uh, ending at the U.S. Nationals with Caps and Snake. It's not out of the realm of reason to think that Kyle Koretsky could could get himself deep in the rounds, if not even to a final at his own racetrack. Kyle Koretsky has showed up to be in the category of a Dallas Glenn, Troy Coughlin Jr., Aaron Stanfield. He is now where he should be and you know i think i think for every driver some some show their hand instantly uh you know kyle was in a very competitive car he you know he's really he's taken his hard knocks he can't um you can't ignore that yeah. there's been a lot of times maybe uh, the races should have gone his way but none of that really matters if if he is is what's most important is that he shows up in time and you talk about the timing it's not just one race it's i'd say several races the last three races that he's been able to perform and that yep. is what it takes to compete and right now i would say that he is doing a better job of driving than dallas glenn and to me dallas glenn was that team's number one car that they could push to the championship and right now it just seems like kyle is the He's the he's the equalizer three. I just saw that movie. It was great. But, <laughs> the Denzel is, the Denzel equalizer movies are fantastic. Is, by the way, he right right now he is Denzel Washington in that car. And hey, like Denzel says in the movie, if you uh, pray for rain, you got to deal with the mud. So um, 
And the last thing I'll say, and Kyle, last three races, it's a runner-up and two semifinal finishes. So, yeah, he's uh, he's in a good spot right now. He comes into the countdown eighth in the points, um, and he's one of those guys, to me, he's one of those mid-pack racers. I think he and uh, Camry, he, Camry Caruso and Stanfield are the three mid-pack, we're talking six, eight, nine in the list that could come out of that could come out of Maple Grove having made a uh, kind of a significant move forward. Um, we got to move into the Nitro categories here. It, it, you know, in Funny Car, look, Caps, Hagen, Height, Tasca, those are the top four. And I look at the conditions that are coming in this weekend. I look at those four, and I look at Alexis, and I think, show me a 385. That's what I think when I see what we're going to be looking at. Am I am I out of my mind here of those five cars that are the mid, the five that I should expect maybe if I'm going to expect anybody to run a mid-80 in ideal conditions? It would be Alexis. Uh, sometimes the DHL car shows up. Um, sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. It's so hard to read what that car and what that team is going to do. But when they do show up, J.R. Todd has the talent. He has the ability to take the ball home. That that he can do. Um, there's no question. Lexus has the better car. Uh, you know, Force, Force is going to fire some shots. You know, here and there, they may not be the most consistent when it comes to racing, but you do have the top four right, and yeah. and that is no longer the top three. It is the top four, and, you know, Task is coming off a not-so-good race. Anytime, anytime a driver gets beat on a hole shot, the good drivers, I do not look for them to repeat. Yeah. I think that they're, they're so dangerous when they're coming off of, of a race like that, and you go back... You go back to J.R. Todd, um, you know, and Brainerd, and he came off a bad race, and he's the one the whole shot of Tasca. So, um, you know, I think I think is definitely those top four are going to battle it out. But you know, you you hit on something, Brian, that's very important for those drivers, the teams that are not necessarily the ones that we're talking about. It's so critical for them to have one race because right now they might be hovering in seventh, yep. eighth, ninth. Uh, you know, take a Doug Coletta, and in one race, if they can end up in the winner's circle, it changes everything. And it's no longer just, you know, the favorites that we're talking about. It's, it's, and it may not be Doug. It could be anyone. It could be Clay. It could be Cruz. It could be Wilkerson. Uh, you know, Chad Green, I think he was so strong early in the year. But I think that, I think that the odds have just caught up to Chad in terms of, you know, the performance. And, you know, we, you and I, and, we talked about this on the show. He had some consistency. Yeah. He was navigating, negotiating those tracks that were marginal, and this is a whole this is a whole different different area that they're going to be competing in. And look, they have gone, and I, I this is a public self correction, but they have gone in the eighties before. I mentioned on the show that they had never gone that quick. They went three eighty eight, and they sent me the picture of the blower belt with three eighty eight written on it to prove it. Um, so, <laughs> and so, look, that it would be a moment for them to be able to stand in there and run a you know mid high eighty. I mean, it's it's if the weather stays the way it is, especially on Friday night. There's no excuse where that that those are not the numbers you're going to need to qualify number one. And and you and I were texted back and forth about this yesterday privately. But you know we look at the lineup for, of funny cars in in Maple Grove, and there's going to be 17 cars there. It might have gone up to 18. I haven't looked again since uh, last night. But um, a lot of those cars are independents. And so to me, when we look at a qualifying order or who's going to land where, they're like uh, basically 11 through 17. 
is going to be a battle of these independent cars. So qualifying between first and fourth is like a huge benefit here because it's going to be fast Sunday morning. If you get a guy that sneaks into the field by running 405 and it's 380s conditions, I'm not going to say it's a buy run, but it's damn close, right? Yeah, that's you know that's the, that's what really changes. I think some of the first round matchups. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, they're great when when we see you know Force and Cruz draw each other in the first round. I don't think that we're going to see as much of that because the highs right now the forecasted highs are in the what mid mid to low 70s it's going to warm up so that means that they're not going to just get one or two that means every time they hit the track at at its peak at the warmest part of the day it's going to be it's not going to be 74 degrees yeah that means the track temperature is it won't see anything beyond 110 maybe 105 anytime it's close to 100 these cars are going to run pretty much as good as they can we're going to see runs in the 385 386 range probably quicker for the cars that you know that get a good setup run so you know for some of those cars that are competitive on warmer tracks you know like the creases we've seen some good runs from them um you know i don't even i don't know if i want to put Bodie's car in that same category because that car if it can get to the finish line it can run but I just think that we're going to see the cream rise to the top. Yeah. The problem for the top four, or Blake Alexander can run yes. in, in 386, 387. Uh, they've already won a race. So there's some pretty dangerous cars in the field. Paul Lee, you know, you, as long as you have John Medlin over there, um, you know, when you put, their, you put them in a corner, they're going to come out swinging. So I think there are a lot of good quality cars that really aren't in the top 10 that we're talking that could that could jump up and bite any of these these contenders. If you got to pin a Wally on somebody leaving Maple Grove, knowing what we know or expecting what we expect, which one of the uh, which one of the main contenders is in your is in your wheelhouse right now? As far as uh, you look at a guy and think this guy should win this race, this guy should leave here either as the new points leader or keep his lead. Who do you, who do you think it is? Well, Cap seems to be there most of the time. Um, I, I, you know, I think Robert Robert flashes. You know, Hagen seems to be a little more consistent than Robert, just not not as quick, not as impressive sometimes. But he's always there, and I think Tasca is really in the best position to. Yeah, I mean, those are some pretty good cars. The top yeah. three are pretty good cars, and if you were to tell anyone, if you can pick any of these cars to get in and can compete for a championship i think a lot of them would say i'm getting that motorcraft car yeah i just think that ron caps a you're gonna have to rip it out of his hands and they just seem to be good most of the time so i I would say that that championship should and still is going to go through that team yeah and and i in in the microcosm of the race it's like i look at hagen and and we look back over hagen's last stretch of races we go back uh what six or seven here he won first round loss and he goes to the semis then he runners up first round loss and brainer then second round at indy so those guys if it's a cycle um they should be they should be back on the rise we'll see what happens when uh, qualifying begins friday and then we go to top fuel and we go to top fuel with Justin Ashley coming in as the points leader. Steve Torrance uh, about 30 behind him. And then there's Antron Brown having won back-to-back races. Um, and look at Leah. 
I mean, to me, of, of all the top tens of all four professional categories, Leah Pruitt in in fourth place in Top Fuel is one of those like you have to go back and check the math. Not in a bad way, and they earned where they're at, but it's also a place you go, wait a second, she's in fourth, and the answer is yeah, she's in fourth. That's how good that car's been. Yeah. We've talked about it. It's just you know, it hasn't it hasn't won more races. It hasn't been into the later rounds uh, like it should have. Um, but it's a good car. And I think that at this stage, at this stage of the game, it's not just about the good car. It's about the good car and the good driver and how they work as one. I think that, you know, Steve Torrance has had the best car. And and this is not, this is not to, to take any credit away from, from Justin Ashley, because nobody can do what he is doing. I know there's drivers that like to think that they're young and they can do what, <laughs> but they can't. I'm here to say you guys can't compete. I don't know what you need to do. Stop drinking, go to bed earlier, but you're not doing what <laughs> Justin Ashley is doing. Yeah. It's extraordinary. I think that they, you know, they're going to be the team to beat. Um, you just don't really want to see those those first round tire smokers. I think I think his biggest challenge is going to come from Steve Torrance. And there, there's another prime example, uh, and I'll get back on the Leah on the, the Leah topic. But, but there's another example of this has probably been. I mean, the numbers, the numbers show that yep. that's been the best car. It's been the quickest, the most consistent, best qualifying, and the driver acknowledges that he hasn't really been himself. And at this stage, um, it's it's you just it's not hit or miss. You have to yep. hit. You have to hit. And I, I don't know if at this stage, if Steve Torrance hasn't really been able to compete at that level, I, I don't know that he's going to. And I, hey, I'd love Brian. We talk about you know Greg Anderson and 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 Wilkers, Dan Wilkerson. I, I'd love for these guys to call us out. I I know it's coming, and and it's okay. Prove us wrong, but we're just we're just stating the facts, what we see on our stat sheet, and what we've seen, the patterns that we've picked up on. And, you know, hey, if Steve Torrance can can pull it off, the more power to him. I don't see it. I see him competing, but I see a driver that's hit or miss. If he could show up and be the driver that he was in the past, then I would say it's going to be between Justin and Steve Torrance. But then you have you have Antron, you have Leah. To me, those drivers, those teams are kind of grouped up. I, I think yeah. they're, they're, they're a little behind in performance. You know, of course, Leah... Um, has had her issues on the starting line. Um, you know, she's coming off of a good race. We'll see if she can keep that pace up. To be able to compete, Brian, you can't just be good for a race or two or three. It's endurance. For even a year. Yeah, you got to endure. You can't even be good for a year because then you're a one-hit wonder. You're a flash in the pan. Staying power is what I would categorize uh, a good driver from one that's not so good. If you can consistently show that you are good, which is what Justin Ashley has done. I'm not talking about having a couple races yep. and mentally thinking, I'm back, baby. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You can kid yourself, but that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a long term. The pressure is going to mount. It's going to increase, and we'll see. Now, the one driver that I think is a wild card in top fuel is going to be Doug Coletta. Yeah, I mean it's just it's 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 not the boy who cried wolf. It's just it's the it's the car that cried sixty nine too many times, right? It's like all right, there they are. They just went sixty nine in these great conditions, and then oh, it's going to smoke the tires in the second round. I mean, it's I know nobody's more frustrated than they are, and I know that as much as as we've sit, sat there and watched a lot of this stuff, it's like 
every time you think that they've they've cracked the code and every time you think that they've you know cracked the, the safe they've opened the safe door the thing slams shut again and it just is it's it's i can't say it's bizarre because it's not bizarre it's just them them trying to make the cargo fast but it's like how can you be so close how can you be so close and not be able to put it together yeah, a lot of it comes down to you know the way they run the car and and maybe maybe it's in the bell housing you know the the primary levers that some of these top fuel cars run they're different than what funny cars run that means they're very aggressive and they have to be yeah you have to load them up with a counterweight to make the car go and because the car can handle it you know again the mechanical advantage allows it it just seems like they're not very forgiving that car loses traction and you're right it's either in the second round or the semifinals and you would think it at this stage that they would get better or they would have you you would see some improvement because the car is impressive you know they, yeah. they walk away yes. with quick time a lot of races this year quick time in the first round and then they smoke the tires so i'm I, you know that's just something i'm going to be looking at at some point are these guys going to get to the semifinals and make it work and just outrun their opponent? Because we all know that Doug Coletta, and I talk about this driver so much because there's a driver that has had staying power. He's consistent, yeah. doesn't have a championship, but you can count on him. He might get beat once in a while, but you can count on him the majority of the time showing up. And I can't say that about all the drivers. That's yeah. why I think that you know some of the drivers that snuck into the top five We'll see. Prove us wrong. I just haven't seen any consistent pattern from them in the past. I, I feel like top fuel out of all four categories, you have to run. You're going to have to run these countdown races if you're a contending car. Like every single one of them is the finals. It, like these are six Pomonas basically or five Pomonas and then real Pomona because you mentioned that the three leading cars here, Steve Torrance's last, uh, let's see, let's last couple of races semifinal then he wins semifinal second round then he's a runner-up in indy last four races for justin ashley a win-win semi-semi obviously the last two races for antron brown win-win like there is no room to screw this up for either if those three guys alone are able to keep up at least some form of the pace that i just mentioned the second that one of them screws up they're going to get left in the dust and to me it's going to be the battle of those three cars specifically and then it's going to be the battle of everybody else to try to to just try to wedge their 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 nose in i really think it's going to be a three-horse race with with a large supporting cast of people that are trying to come out there and screw it up for them so um i mean if you're tuning your if you're the crew chief you're the team leader whatever and you're rolling into the racetrack sunday are you paying more attention to to you know antron and steve more beyond anything else to just try to keep pace with them well, I, here's here's the thing about Antron. I, you know, if you go back to Brainerd, you know their car ran good, but you know they there was some teams that they that made some mistakes. Yeah. And I don't think had those teams like Justin Ashley had they not smoked the tires, they weren't going to get outrun. Right. It wasn't performance that was going to beat them. So it just seems like Antron has had some good breaks, but that's what it takes today yeah. in today's environment. You no longer just have to be quick. You no longer just have to have good car. You have to be able to do everything right. And and it doesn't hurt when you have a reputation like Antron that you know he's going to be on time. This guy just does not show up. If he misses, his miss is a, a, a 50 or a 60 reaction time. Yeah. 
And that is someone, that is some of these other drivers on their best day. So, um, you know, I, uh, while I think Antron, hey, they're coming off of a two wins, I, I, I don't know that that's going to go their way at some of these upcoming races. But if they mess around, he will be more than happy to beat them on a hole shot. Right. If they want to make it close, he will be more than happy to outdrive them on the racetrack and, and take another win home. So I just think there's a couple of cars that are better that um, that have a couple of hundreds, one or two, maybe three hundreds of a second uh, performance advantage yeah. on the racetrack consistently. And I think there's a couple that can get it done on the starting line. And, you know, I think Antron's going to be there. But, you know, you one wonders, when's Brittany going to show up too? Well, yeah. I mean, and there's that. I mean, that's the fact that they have not won a, a race this year is just astonishing. Um, you know, they've, they've certainly had performance numbers to, to match what they feel like they should be doing. They've had some mechanical issues. We've seen the thing pop and and we, of course, we saw it blow up at Indy when she was actually beating Antron, um, and he went on to to win the U.S. Nationals, of course. So yeah, I mean that's she's the grand wild card in this whole thing too. And and for, I would suspect in my mind that, that they win at least one race in the countdown, just because we're going to see a lot of stuff. In my opinion, kind of swing their way. We've seen them, you know, the the performance they had in St. Louis last year, running the fastest speed of all time. I mean, these are the these are the types of things that really come into David Grubnick's wheelhouse. I just don't know if I can see that team coming from fifth to win, though. I can see him winning a race. I don't know if I can see them being sustained in a good in in what would need to happen to be go from fifth to first over the course of six races. That's my concern: is the sustained performance. I don't disagree with you. And the only way, the only way I see them turning it around is whatever parts you took off of that car right. and whatever self <laughs> right. you put them on. Right. <laughs> I, I, and, and they may have, yeah. I don't know, yeah. but I'd have been putting those parts back on whatever it was in that motor, whatever it was in that bell housing. If you did something to the chassis, I would, I would replicate whatever you were doing a year ago. Why wouldn't you? Especially uh, now, so, yeah. Especially now, you get nothing to lose. Literally, you get nothing to lose. Yeah, you know. But yeah, hey, that's that's me. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out early in the Reading race if they're doing it. But why wouldn't you? Because you were able to 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 lower the boom and and get four hundredths of a second on the field, and we just don't see it anymore. So while this com combination is good, it's it's okay. Not better than anyone else's, but the old one was. Yeah. So you know, you do the math. I I think that. You know, desperate times cause for uh, call for desperate measures, and I I would be real interested to see if they if they would be willing to do that. Well, listen, if that thing comes out and runs three hundred thirty eight miles an hour on Friday, we'll know. <laughs> we, they won't have to tell us a damn thing. That scoreboard will re will reveal all if that's the case. But uh, no, nah, man, it's going to be a great weekend. I'm looking forward to getting this uh, countdown started. Obviously, Maple Grove is uh, one of the great racetracks we go to. The Koretskis have um, continued to invest so much time and, and their own money and effort into this place you know they'd only had it a, a short time when we went there last year and it already looked beautiful and and talking to kenny and kyle and the family i mean they've just every single waking moment have spent at this place to continue to improve it it's going to look like a brand new racetrack when we roll in there this weekend it is you thought it was nice last year wait till you see it yeah these guys are just working around the clock and i got videos of them of Kenny on a on a paving paving machine 
paving the parking lot. He's doing all this for the racers. Yeah. I, saw, I saw Carl, uh, Kyle. It almost looked like he had uh, he swiped Lanny McGleesey's um, tra- <laughs> tra- track metering machine. But they're, they're um, you know, they they put their signature. They're not anywhere close to being finished with it. And you know, they're doing it. They're doing all this because it's such a great uh, facility and the tradition. And they're just putting their signature on it. And I, I think it's going to be a great race. And more than anything, the only thing that that race and, and even reminds me of English Town. It was such a big event. The only thing that most of these races need is good weather. And we're going to have good weather. Yeah. And I think the rest will take care of itself. All right, man. Well, hey, thanks for taking the time. I will see you this weekend in our uh, deluxe perch in the sky there at Maple Grove Raceway. It's going to be fantastic, and we'll make sure we keep the door locked. And that's an inside joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll uh, we'll talk about that on the next on the next episode. All right, Brian. Good talking with you. See you in a couple days. He is Tony Pedragon, and I'll be right back with some final thoughts here on this countdown preview episode of the NHRA Insider. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And that will bring us to the end of this episode of the NHRA Insider. Always great to talk to Tony. I think that was a really cool way to break down the four classes, kind of talk about who's standing where, who may land where, and the different approaches that all four of these potential champions and really the group of potential champions needs to take, whether you're a racer that has a car that maybe needs a little more oomph so you have to make it up on the starting line, or you're somebody that finally has a car that doesn't need anything, and you need to leave some of those habits in the past. It is going to be great to watch all the action at the Pep Boys Nationals this weekend. Maple Grove Raceway, Reading, Pennsylvania is the spot. Start sportsman racing on Thursday. I'll be there with Alan Reinhardt. And then we run all weekend long until Sunday afternoon. Now, this is a big weekend for us in the world of television as well, as it is our NFL-adjacent game. So some of you will watch this race um, earlier some of you will watch it later you really need to check your local listings to find out where it lands on sunday depending on your market the race will air at one time or the other either kind of on the front side of the late game or the midday game or the back side of the early game you just need to check and find out but it's going to be great huge audience full fields crowds going to be great and the weather is going to be fantastic as always thank you for watching and or listening to the nhra insider podcast and we'll be back Actually, not next week. We'll be back in two weeks, as next week I will be on Hot Rod Magazine Drag Week uh, with my pal Freiberger and the rest of the wild and wacky crew of Drag and Drive Heroes. So I'm going to be out on the road between Maple Grove and Charlotte. So we'll catch up after Charlotte and get you up to speed on the countdown after its second race. It's going to be a fantastic stretch of weeks here. It is Maple Grove. It is Charlotte, and then it is St. Louis. Can't wait to really put the hammer down starting when I travel to Maple Grove this week. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon right back here on the NHRA Insider.